0: All right, we're back with another episode of Eat Sleep Bedlam. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Eat Sleep Bedlam. Follow us on YouTube at Eat Sleep Bedlam Pod. We're on uh, Spotify, Google, Apple, wherever you listen to your podcast. Check it out. All right, so we're on to another week of the college football season. Oklahoma mm-hmm. takes on West Virginia. Oklahoma State takes on UCF, who we have obviously have uh, already done a show with, with Matt Merschel. So... We can call him a friend of the show at this point. He's a friend of the show. Friend of the show. We can call him that at this point. But uh, first off, Zach and I talked to Dwight Wallace, who's spent, man, he was telling me, it's like over 30 years or something like that around West Virginia football, which is crazy to think about. He's seen the ups and the downs. He has seen the ups (laughs) and the downs. And he's the the, uh, color analyst for the radio um, uh, program. And so uh, he gave us a lot of good insight. Obviously, a lot of it, you know, Oklahoma fans, I'm sure, and even Oklahoma State fans, you're probably not now that y'all played them, you know more, but you probably don't follow West Virginia that much through throughout the season. And yeah. you know, I was, I knew they were a pretty good running team, but I didn't realize they're number seven in the nation in rushing. I didn't like, that is a surprise. And um, you know, the last four weeks they've averaged uh 38 points per game, so um, their their offense is actually really clicking right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Garrett Green is throwing the ball a little bit better. Uh, still is up and down. But the one thing I will say, because usually when you see a, a running quarterback that's not super accurate, they usually turn it over a lot. He doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, that's, a, that, that's a surprise. But he runs it really well. But uh, anyways, let's get into the interview with Dwight Wallace. All right. As I said, we're with uh, Dwight Wallace, who has been around West Virginia football for a very, very long time. He's the color analyst for the West Virginia Radio um, and, uh, you know, a little bit, just tell us a little bit about West Virginia. Obviously, you know, before the season, not a lot of high expectations, but man, they're playing good football.
1: Yeah. Kind of a work in progress. And I think it's been that way for a couple of years. And, uh, I think, uh, starting to see some of that, uh, come to fruition, but, uh, yeah, I, I think, uh, I don't think coach Brown was real happy with that preseason pick, but, uh, nevertheless, uh that's what it was so it's been a point of motivation i think as much as anything but uh yeah i i think uh you know we 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 came out early played pretty good defense uh relied on the running game we've got a pretty good offensive line and that that's something we try to utilize we kind of have running backs by committee so we have several that we use in there and uh, but the running game early on was uh was really good for us. We were a time of possession team, and we played some good defense. So uh, that, while all that was taking place, we we were kind of shuffling quarterbacks. We had an injury. We had some other things take place, but uh, Garrett Green has really established himself in there now. In the last couple of weeks, he's come back and and really done a nice job, and then that's helped our helped our offensive outputs. So, output so suddenly we're finding ourselves where you know, we're still playing solid defense our special teams are pretty good right now and uh, but our offense has started to go so that's been uh, that's been really encouraging
0: yeah i actually looked it up the last four games i think you're all averaging like 38 points per game you ran for 336 last week it was like 284 the week before that so is that mainly what Sooner fans should expect? A, a more of a running attack. I know you talked about it's running by committee, and I know Garrett Green can throw the ball a little bit too. He had that big game against Houston, but overall, is that what they can expect? A, a running game, and is it more just traditional running? Is it um, you know sweeps, uh, outside zone, inside zone? What what, what kind of um, scheme, I guess, should they expect?
1: Well, it's a lot of zone read, and also RPOs, run pass option. So, you're seeing that where it does get Garrett on the perimeter some. But we also, with our running backs, they do some, some, uh, yeah, they do attack perimeter with the running backs too. Uh, Jaheim White this last week really got going on perimeter with a a sweep type of action. And uh, then, uh, you know, Donaldson is our big guy. He's a 240 pound running back, and we kind of run him a lot tackle to tackle. But he's really sort of a converted tight end. So he was recruited as a, as a guy that had played receiver in high school. And they thought, well, this guy could be a tight end with at, at his size. And But they found out they weren't getting the, what they wanted out of running back. So they put him back at running back, and he became the starter. So, uh, But he's good in there, tackle to tackles. got reasonable speed, can get outside, has great hands. So he can catch the ball out of the backfield. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I would say, uh, we're, we're going to probably go in and see if we can get the run game going. That's where it all starts. And then if you can establish any kind of run, then you can balance it up with play action pass and, uh, stick with the RPOs kind of thing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. One one thing I will say is I'm glad we're playing in Norman this year. Um, it seems like playing West Virginia at night, that is a crazy atmosphere, uh, not huh. a couple friends go to that game several years ago with Will Greer um you know that went right down to the end and they said it was it was it was nuts out there so uh virginia is always a fun team to play um yeah you talked about the running game with Garrett Green he really impresses me with his legs he's able to extend plays make plays and then when he's throwing the ball well he, that's a tough offense really to defend um i would the first couple games I watched, I was like, well, first off, the first game, Penn State, I did not think West Virginia stood a chance. And they played r- really tough. And I believe it was at Penn State, correct? It was. A tough place to play. And halftime, they, they were in the game. And then the momentum kind of swung a little bit, had a couple things not go their way, and you know, and so on. But they followed that with a win at Pitt, which is a good non-conference win. And like Jaron said, really played well in the conference should have beat Houston. Um, that game was just Save that one away. That was a hard
1: one to spot. <laughs> yeah, that,
2: that was because I watched Garrett Green drive down the whole field yeah. and they score late, and I'm like, wow, that they're going to compete for a champion, a Big Twelve championship this year, and then Houston pulls off a, a miracle at the end, but. Yeah. We don't have to bring that up. I would, I would be sick <laughs> you about had that to bring that up, there. didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> I'd be sick about that if I was a West Virginia. But really, you played Oklahoma State pretty good. And Oklahoma State's, you know, obviously a good football team this year. And then you go and beat West Virginia and really just throttle BYU. So, um, do, do you think that Garrett, Garrett Green will be able to extend the field on Saturday against this Oklahoma defense, which has shown to be good, but has also shown to give up big plays through the
1: air? Well, of course, you know, I we're always re, uh, really have a lot of respect for Oklahoma. I mean, you take a look at their skill, that always gets your attention. They're always big up front. They've got athletes in different size bodies, but they're all athletic. And uh, so that gets your attention uh, right away. And so uh, that's one thing I think I'm that in practice, they're not going to have a hard time getting guys to focus. I don't think, you know, in practice. Uh, because they know what they're coming up against, and then it's in Norman also, which makes it even tougher. So, but uh, I think we're going to probably be what we've been. I don't, I don't. The one thing we we do, we do quite a bit of motion and shifting and trading and and a lot of change of strength. So I think that does challenge defenses a little bit. And uh, with that, if you've got a pretty effective run game to come back to, and then with that shifting and trading and motioning. It also can expose a little bit in the passing game, so I think uh, I, I think that's sort of what we are right now. I got a feeling we're going to be about the same thing come Saturday. Yeah, yeah, and
2: if they can pull off the upset in Norman, I say upset. Oklahoma really hasn't been playing well. I think OU's a thirteen-point favorite right now. The Something last, like time
1: like, yeah.
2: ESPN has it as OU's a thirteen, but really, if West Virginia pulls off that upset, they're looking at a really strong possibility of finishing the season nine and three because the next two games they should be able to win um, teams that are really struggling as of late so like jaron said the preseason ranking had west virginia towards the bottom to finish the season nine and three or really even eight and four if they don't you know win in norman or if they drop one later on really good season for us virginia
1: yeah i i think so and it's it you feel like it's kind of been in the making we've been close we're sort of like that guy trying to climb to the top of the mountain just as we get up and kind of peek over the top. uh, One foot slips and you slide back down, then you have to try to crawl back up again. But uh, no, I I think uh, we're starting to see plays being made on game day. And I think some of this has been happening in practice as we went along, but you know, a lot of times you have to do it a a lot and it has to be a regular thing in practice because it starts before it starts happening on Saturday. And so suddenly we're starting to see some young guys come through now and start to make some plays on Saturday, which is encouraging.
0: And we talked about the offense a ton, but we got to talk about the defense a little bit. What can, uh, from a schematic standpoint, maybe some key players also, what is something that West Virginia does that, um, you know, for Oklahoma fans that may not watch them very much? What is uh, schematically, what do they run, and, and who are some key players for them?
1: We're, we're about like everybody, you know. We're going to we're going to be in a three man or four man down front, and uh, normally you'll see us with six in the box. Generally, uh, we do play some two deep high safeties, so just depends on the passing game we're facing and the running game. We played a lot of two high safeties against Oklahoma State, and Ollie just ran right down our throats. So we probably should have played a little bit more one high, maybe. But uh, <laughs> looking back. But uh, no, they' uh, uh, we've been pretty solid. Now we did get hurt on the transfer portal. We actually lost a couple defensive linemen and a corner in the transfer portal. So uh, we weren't too sure we were going to be young, but we've got good production out of that group. And uh, uh, but I think overall, you know, CoBA uh, is our middle linebacker. He's a guy that leads us in tackles and very athletic. Uh, as a linebacker, pretty good pass coverage as well. Our corners are starting to play better. We've had a lot of people go after our corners, but they've kind of grown up, and we've started ha- having some interceptions. We, we had some picks down at Central Florida and uh, really helped us in that game. And so we're starting to see that turnover ratio come back in our favor, and that's always helpful too when that happens.
0: Yeah, for sure. We've seen that Oklahoma last two weeks, three turnovers, both games and they lose both games. So obviously Oklahoma is kind of reeling with two straight losses. But for you, what is maybe three keys if West Virginia were to win this game that you would say is the reason why they won the game?
1: Well, I think we do have to get the run game going, so it's going to be a real challenge to win the line of scrimmage. So up front, I would look first there at that. And then, secondly, we always look to third down conversions. It just seems like when you're playing any kind of a time of possession game, and uh, especially if the run game's important, you've got to convert those third downs, and uh, that's key. And then in the red zone, we got to make seven points and not three. So I think those are probably three areas that I would say would be crucial. And it's always protect the football. You know, you can't you can't give uh, you can't turn the ball over. So. Uh, but I'm, that can be applied to really all three phases pretty much any of those so
0: yeah now I know West Virginia has obviously been in the big 12 since 2012 and so they've made trips to Norman but have you heard any like uh more fans want to travel to Norman being the last time have you heard anything like that?
1: no really haven't but uh uh you know our we we've got a pretty good traveling group when we were just an East Coast team we might take 17, 18, 19,000 on the road. And so that was really good. In fact, we got a lot of bold bids, I think, because we traveled well, you know, early on when we were kind of growing as a program. But uh, we haven't traveled that well in the Big 12. And I think just the distances, you know, have have gotten us a little bit there. But uh, we'll have a loyal fan base. We always uh, bring a pretty good group. But I've not I've not heard of any special trips or anything, but I uh, we've got some of those loyal fans that would want to get a part of that, I'm sure. Yeah, we've
0: had uh, some of the newcomer Big 12 people on the podcast, and, of course, it's their only time to go, so that's probably why a lot of them wanted to come, but I just thought I'd ask that. But, Zach, do you have any other questions?
2: No, I, I think it'll be a good game. Um, I yeah. think both teams, Oklahoma's obviously struggling coming in off two losses, and West Virginia's playing well, and, I think they both provide matchup difficulties for each other. So I think it'll be exciting. Night game in Norman. And you really you never know what to expect with West Virginia. I mean, they can be good. I mean, last year I didn't think that they would even stand a chance and they beat us. So it's there I really like Coach Brown. I was kind of upset when there was a lot of rumors last year about him getting fired and you know being on the hot seat. But I think he's a good coach and the longer he
1: stays around, the more success West Virginia will have. Well, they've done a good job in their recruiting. I think they worked hard on that. I think they got blindsided a little bit on the transfer portal, maybe got started a little late. And we lost some folks in that portal and then getting the NIL moving. And, you know, it's a complicated deal these days, as you guys well know. And, uh, but uh, sometimes you get them and then you got to hang on to them and then you got to develop them. So it's, uh, it's a big challenge. But yeah, he's done a nice job. He's a quality guy, I think highly thought of uh, in Morgantown and seems to be well respected around the league. So I uh, appreciate those comments. Yeah. Yeah, sure, yes, sure.
0: We definitely like him. And uh, like you said, transfer portals making it difficult for a lot of teams or making it easier, I guess, for some teams as well. But uh Thank you so I, much. I, I, <laughs> I will
2: say, as Oklahoma and Texas leave the Big 12, we wish you guys the best of luck with the Big 12. Yeah. Don't let Oklahoma State win any uh, Big 12 championships, whatever <laughs> yeah. you have to do
1: get in that way. Uh, we would greatly appreciate that. <laughs> well, good luck to you and the SEC. Uh, we'll be pulling for you next year.
0: Yeah, well, well thank I, you.
1: I hope you do well.
0: Thank you. You're like Zach said, you're one of our favorite teams to watch. So we'll definitely be keeping it up with you once we go to the SEC. But thanks again so much for taking some time and talking to us today.
1: Welcome. Good, good to be part of
0: it. So yeah, like you just heard, uh, a lot of uh different things that West Virginia likes to do that Oklahoma's gonna have to be prepared for. We again we talked about it beforehand. He talked about it. The running game is the big one, it's what makes them go. Garrett Green is what makes them go. Uh you know if you know the crazy thing to think about they're tied for third right now in the Big 12 at 4 and 2. Mm-hmm. They don't lose on a Hail Mary. They're tied for first in the conference yeah. after being picked to be last in the conference before the season uh which he obviously <laughs> yeah yeah for real. He <laughs> obviously mentioned how upset uh, Neil Brown was in the interview and and rightfully so. I mean it sounds like Neil Brown kind of knew this was team was being built and mm-hmm. Outside people just didn't realize it, and and he's done a great job, great job coaching him. Probably saved his job with the way he's playing oh, uh, coaching this year. Um, Oklahoma State, like we said, Matt Marshall, a friend of the show with yeah. Orlando Sentinel, uh, talked to you uh, about UCF. Yeah, and it's
3: great. He knows so much about that team. Just you know, just a wealth of information. Uh, we covered everything. You know, the offense, just who makes that offense go. That it, it's not really plumly anymore. They have another guy who's kind of making the offense go. Uh, Obviously, the weird, I guess, dichotomy of that defense, how they're great against defending the pass and not so great defending the run. And, of course, you know, we had to do a little uniform talk. I mean, I love uniforms, and uh, he got into it, so that was great. And uh, we'll hear what else he had to say. First thing, uh, UCF is coming off their first conference win. It was a big one. You know, getting that first conference win is always a big deal. Uh, You know, how's the team kind of feeling coming out of that?
4: Well, they're pretty excited. I mean, you know, this was something that they were really looking – you know, this is the, they spent five games trying to get this first win, you know, in the Big 12. And it's been very frustrating and emotional for this program. And, you know, I know a lot of the teams, uh, a lot of the players, a lot of the coaches have been really talking about that over the weeks of just trying to stay together, you know, showing a unified front. And they eventually felt like they were going to get over that hump. And, you know, you saw that kind of sticking together right before the Cincinnati game where they locked arm and arm, you know, with the coaches and the players. And they walked on the field very slowly, something we haven't seen before. And, you know, I think that kind of helped get them, you know kind of ready for that game and, and and maybe kind of really kind of put up that front uh and then they went out and they played well you know they played four quarters of football which is what they haven't been able to do so far since move, they the move to the Big 12 so this week everyone's excited they're you know they they hope to kind of parlay this into something bigger they understand that they need two wins out of the next three games that they can to to possibly get to be bowl eligible so they're very you know that's kind of their goal they they want to make sure that they can kind of continue to to do what they're doing but they did against Cincinnati and try to do that for the next couple of weeks. But they know it's a big challenge ahead because obviously they're playing a, a good Oklahoma state team this weekend.
3: And staying on UCF's offensive side. I mean, that, that offense can get going when everyone's healthy and plumley has been healthy recently. He's come back from that injury. He's looking pretty good. I mean, that offense can move the ball pretty well.
4: Yeah, It really can, you know. I think the thing that that stood out over other over, over the last you know, five or six weeks is not so much Plumley as, as, as RJ Harvey, you know, the talented running back for, for UCF who's had four straight 100 yard games. He's coming off a career game against Cincinnati where he had 164 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, he's really been a key piece to this team. If you know, when Plumley's been up and down, you know, he got hurt, he missed about you know, four or five weeks, you know, with a right knee injury. He's still wearing a a full, basically, leg brace on the right leg. Um, he's gotten better since he's returned a couple weeks ago. You know, he's been able to run a little bit more. Uh, we've seen him kind of get, you know, a little more comfortable in the pocket now. Uh, and he's throwing the ball really well, too, so... Um, Those are key pieces to this offense. You know, if they UCF wants to run the football as much as they can, and then they want to mix in some of that, the ROP and and throwing the ball around a little bit. And they've got talented receivers and Javon Baker and Kobe Hudson, and those guys have had big games as well. But really the bread and butter of this UCF offense is running the football. They want to establish the run, and then everything else kind of works around that.
3: And what makes Harvey such a good back? Is it his, you know, running through tackles? Is it speed? Is it vision? Is a little bit of everything?
4: It's a little bit of everything. You know, he's an amazing story if you think about it. He's a guy who went to college, went to Virginia to play quarterback. He, you know, was there for a year, decided to transfer to UCF, made the position switch to become a running back. And, you know, you look at him you think, okay, that's fine. You know, look at his size. He's not a very big guy, but, you know – he he's really kind of developed in that good back and then he blew out his knee and he missed a whole year and i think then the coming back from that is always difficult for a running back but he's just gotten bigger stronger and faster and i think one of the things is is he kind of picks his holes you'll see it sometimes during games where he'll slow down a little bit for a couple steps and then when the hole starts to open up then he'll take off running and i think that's a good sign that's a sign of a really good back is that he's able to kind of see that hole develop and not try to force things um, and they really have gotten to a point now where they use him a lot. He's the primary back, and they like to use him in different formations. They use him in the wildcat sometimes uh, when they're close in the goal line or the red zone. They used him um, last week in a a fake punt where he kind t- of you know, took a direct snap in the punt and took off and ran and, and got a first down. So they really like his versatility. Occasionally they'll throw in a, a pass type of play because he does he was a former quarterback, so he does have that kind of ability. But um, he's he's been a really good addition to this group, especially when you think about – They've got a talented running backs group, but they've had some guys who've been not, who've been injured and guys who've been out of it. So uh, he's been a big piece. I, I told someone the other day, if he didn't have the kind of performance he has, I'm not sure exactly where UCF would be right now.
3: And you mentioned Baker and Hudson. Those are their top two targets. They are very similar sized receivers. I mean, I think it was like five pounds difference on the right. Are they the same type of receiver or are they just very two different receivers that happen to be the same size?
4: No, they're they're very similar receivers. I mean, they're, they're guys that can make plays. Um, they love to you know they they love to go deep they love to be guys who can who can make uh, some catches you know Cubby Hudson loves to he's got the size where he could jump over a defender and and you know make a catch uh when he wants you know when he when it's there um you know they're they're the two really kind of go-to guys that 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 uh Plumlee has, has really kind of gone to in the, in the passing game they've got a third receiver in Xavier Townsend and he's He's kind of their slot receiver. He's been injured over the last two or three weeks. Uh, I talked to Gus Malzahn on Monday, and he said that they hope to kind of have him back this week. They feel like, you know, they haven't identified what the injury is, but they'd like to see him get out there. He did a warm-up against Cincinnati, but he wasn't wasn't on the field. So he's a a definite kind of um, go-to guy, you know, like a safety valve, really, when there's out there. Um, And then they've got some other guys. Alec Hollers, they're talented tight end. He's a guy they love to use out, you know, in the flat, whenever they feel like they can get, you know, the ball out to him as well. Um, They really like to have Plumley. One of the things that Plumley has done well this year is he's identified these different receivers and, and, and kind of used them in, in different spots when instead of just running the football, you know, last year I think he would have taken off and run when things are not going. Now he checks down and really tries to use these guys. And I think it's really kind of given a lot more versatility to this offense.
3: So now we're going to jump over to the defensive side of the ball. And from a couple games I've got to watch of UCF and just looking at the stats, it looks like. Tremont, I may have mispronounced that, Morris Brash is the best player on that defense. I mean, he's all over the field, 16 and a half tackles for loss and eight and a half sacks. I mean, what makes him so good and
4: so disruptive? He he just, you know, he's like, he's like an engine, you know, really. it's like, He just loves to go. And I think, you know, you see that, you know, and I think what helps him a little bit is he's got a, his teammate, Josh Salazar's on the other end, you know, they put a little pressure there as well. They've got a guy in Lee Hunter and, and, and as a tackle, who's been a really good Ricky Barber. Those guys put a little pressure. And I think teams kind of tend to kind of start to focus on that a little bit. And then Tremont comes in and, and is able to make some plays. Um, he's probably their legitimate NFL talent on this team. He's a guy that I think that really good, you know, is going to make it that next level. Um, and they, you know, he's got a little more size. I think than some of the other you know, defensive linemen, I think that fits in well what they've been able to do. Uh, and he had two and a half sacks against Cincinnati. And I think that he's, probably his best game and he's he's kind of a quiet guy he's, he's a fun-loving guy but he's kind of a quiet guy in the way so he's it's, it's good to see him do that um and this line is really needed to step up i mean they've been maligned throughout most of the season uh they're getting highly criticized obviously this is a defense that you know is, is not stopped the run they they're really struggling to stop the, the run there i think they're last in the big 12 uh not ranked like 127th out of 133 teams in the fbs and stopping the run it's been a big achilles heel for them and they've They've tried to do different things. They've moved some guys up. They tried to move some of their, their linemen around. Um, but you know, it, it's really kind of been a struggle for them. And it, I wrote about it actually for tomorrow that they're one of the things that's really hurt them is they've been getting gashed on the outside um because of, of running backs have been able to take advantage of, of something on the outside. They haven't been able to cut that edge off. And I think that's where Tremont has plays a big part, where he needs to be like step up there a little bit and kind of maybe bounce the runners around a little bit and keep them kind of uh doing that. So he's been a big piece for this defense.
3: And you mentioned it, they are ranked last in the conference in rushing, but they're ranked first in the conference in passing defense. Mm -hmm i mean that's kind of crazy when that happens like. <laughs> it,
4: it is and you know it's important to me it's it's times where when they get tested that they showcase that you know against cincinnati for instance emory jones you know cincinnati was running the ball really well against florida or against uh, ucf excuse me and they and they tried to throw the ball a couple times and ucf was able to get an interception the guy martinez had an interception so there's times where i, I think teams kind of think okay we're gonna try to test them and, and i don't think it's a really good deal their, their cornerbacks are young they're very talented Corey Thornton was the guy who's been around for a while. Like I mentioned Nikai Martinez as a sophomore, he's a local guy who's really kind of stepping up and emerging as a leader on that, on that team. They've had a lot of of guys in the secondary that they've been able to rotate in and out, which I think has helped them out a lot. Um, you know, some teams don't have that kind of depth. They have lots of depth in that secondary. Um, and I also think to go back to the line a little bit, I think that's a little bit of Tremont putting pressure on and some of the other guys putting pressure on the quarterback. And then when they throw the ball, you know, it, it goes into the hands of, of, of the secondary. So the, the, this is a good pass defense. It's just, unfortunately, most of the teams they face so far in the Big 12 have been running teams and have been able to, to run it against UCF.
3: And to me, that's kind of the matchup to, to watch that could decide this game is that rush defense against the nation's leading rusher and Ollie Gordon. I mean, how do you see that kind of, like, what do you think could be the game plan there?
4: Yeah, I, I think that's going to be a I think what they're going to try to do if you're UCF is, is, like I mentioned about the edge, they've got to find a way to keep those explosive runs down. You know, they, they gave up five, runs of 20 or more yards against Cincinnati. You know, they've given up 22 of these kind of plays, you know, so far this season. So I think what they have to do is they have to let, not let Ollie have one of those those giant 15, 20-yard runs. I think they just got to kind of contain him a little bit. They're not going to be able to stop him, I don't think, I think. But they got to just find a way to make him maybe kind of work a little harder than he has been able to do that, you know, and some of that's just going to be, you know, having guys, you know, kind of close the gaps on the edge, making sure their linebackers are there and can kind of close and, and don't have to spend a long time pursuing. You don't want to see your, your cornerbacks and your defensive backs have to make a tackle on a running back. You want to see those guys, you know, have to come in maybe a little later. So, uh, I mean, this is going to be the challenge. They talked about it all so far this week. Is how do we stop this guy? I mean, we know he's going to get some yards, but it's 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 containing him a little bit and making sure he doesn't beat them. They would love to see Oklahoma State throw a little bit more and just that use that secondary to try to test them a little bit and see. Um, they'd love to get some turnovers, but they understand that Oklahoma State's going to run the football. When you have a guy like Ollie, it's, it, you're not gonna you're not gonna go away from them. So they got to find a way to make sure they contain. him.
3: And now last question I have for you. This is going to be Oklahoma State's first trip out there to play UCF. What's that atmosphere like? What can they expect when they show up?
4: Well, it's it's a unique atmosphere. You know, first of all, you know it's it's, it's Florida, it's it's November, it's going to be probably about 86 degrees. It's going to be sunny. So, you know, I think you know people are going to be expecting that a little bit. Um, you know, and the bounce house has got its reputation because when it when it's full and it gets going, it rocks. I mean, it really does shake when the when the student sections start jumping up and down. If you're in the press box, you can see you'll start to feel the stadium kind of sway a little bit. It throws a lot of people off who are at the stadium because especially first timers, they don't, they don't they're not used to that kind of getting that. It's uh it's something that they've taken in you know for that uh, idea um so it's it's a unique fan base you know a lot of young a lot of young fans um they're excited uh even though this has not been the kind of season they've they've expected in a way you know they they want to see this team win and and it's been a couple they haven't won in a couple home games i mean they they lost you know to west virginia a couple weeks ago you know they lost to baylor Uh, they'd like to kind of get their home mojo back and let's and i'm going to tell you this is going to be a big weekend because this is space game weekend for, which is a big deal for UCF. Mm-hmm. They're debuting these space uniforms that they do every year. Um, it's going mm-hmm. to be like a powder blue with a different kind of decal on the side. Uh, it's a big deal for UCF. They've done it since 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a tribute to kind of the space industry that's here in, in, in the state of Florida. So um, they're excited. The players are excited. They love playing these. And I think they're undefeated. If I'm not mistaken, they're six 0 oh, no wearing these space uniforms. Take that for what it is. But that's that's usually what you know teams like to throw that out there. So it's gonna be kind of a special weekend.
3: I'm a big uniform guy, so that gets me a little bit more excited too. And I buy into all the uniform combination mojo. I think that's real. Um
4: and yeah, you expect- for sure. And UC, UCF loves to do that. That's one of the things they've yeah. done over the last. Is they've they've done different co- color uniforms. They love to change it up. They just resigned a deal with Nike, so they're. I think they're going to keep doing that kind of thing, and it's really kind of helped them out. I think the the players love it, fans love it, and I think that's just something that keeps people interested.
3: I mean, and you expect a place to be a little bit crazy when it's nicknamed the Bounce House.
4: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's exactly. I mean, that's the thing about it. You know, they. It's been. It's I've been there in times when it's been. You know, unbelievable. I mean, I was there in, in 2018 when they played Cincinnati, and ESPN's Game Day came for the first time was in, on their campus, and I mean that game was unbelievably loud, and the stadium was just shaking. And I think I posted a video at one point. I had a a glass of water, and it was like you know, kind of like the Jurassic Park thing, where it was like shaking. You know, I mean, I posted that video on Twitter, and people were like, "Oh my gosh!" It's like that's kind of the, the atmosphere you can get there. You know what I mean? And and it's one of those things that the players and the coaches have said, listen. I know we're not. It's not been a great year, but we, you know, we could really use that kind of, you know, crowd just, just to step up and, and be there as well. And there'll be good tailgating as well because, again, it's a it's a three thirty kick. It's gonna it's gonna be you know in the afternoon. Fans will love it. And uh, if everything goes well, you know, the fans will, will will go away with something.
3: All right. Well, it should be a good one. I want to thank you again for taking your uh, time out of your day to join us and talk about this game.
0: No
4: problem. I appreciate you thinking of
0: me. There you go. You have it. That's what uh, all the stuff he had to say about the upcoming matchup against UCF is going to be on the road. So. We'll okay. see if Oklahoma State can uh, regain that, you know, focus that they've had. Uh, obviously, a big emotional win in Bedlam. Now you're traveling on the road. R.J. Harvey, in my opinion, isn't just a great conference running back. He's a great running back across all of college football.
3: Yeah. I mean, how his testing numbers at the Combine could depend. I mean, he might be a pretty high draft pick come yeah. April. I've forgotten. Is it May now? Whenever the
0: draft is, I don't yeah. remember. It's it's <laughs> November. Um. <Yeah. laughs> we still got a little while, but yeah, no, he can, he can get up into that third, fourth round because yeah. he is shifty for his size, too. Mm-hmm. And then uh, more the defense, you know, that defense is just going to be weird,
3: and he's right. I mean, yeah. when I've watched him, that pass defense, it's hard to string together completions against him, but if you can run the ball, don't have to worry about that, and most teams have been able to
0: run the ball pretty easily against him. Yeah, not a great run defense. Honestly, of the, let's see, what what are we at? Nine games in so far. Out of the nine teams Oklahoma's played, by far the best pass defense, UCF. Mm-hmm. That, that they get physical with you. Now, it obviously will depend, do the officials allow you to be physical? Because if they right. take that away, then then maybe Oklahoma State have some success through the air. But uh, it's a game, Rashad Owens, you know, he, he's a big physical oh. receiver. He's going to have to be able to, to handle that because – Brennan Presley, I would assume, is going to have a rough day because the smaller receivers just struggle against that. I mean, Drake Stoops, Mm -hmm. not saying he's the level of Brennan Presley, but he's a really good college receiver too. He struggled to get open against these guys. I mean, they are a really good pass defense.
3: Yeah, I think if you're going to get Presley involved, you have to give him get him in the slot more to where he'll have like the two way release, and not it's harder to press someone in the slot, and that would give him more space to operate.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You got to get creative with him, and then obviously if Ollie can, sake,
3: Casey Dunn is finally getting creative, it's he is taking him five years, but he's
0: here. <laughs> he is. He absolutely is. And if Ollie, you know, I know he got banged up at the end of the first half against Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, sounds like it was a thigh bruise. You're probably fine yeah. by Saturday, but you never know those things. I've had those linger for a couple yeah. weeks before. So depends on how deep it is. Yeah, it really does. Um, so assuming he's healthy he's gonna to have to have another big day and that offensive line have a big day because you know another thing about their past defense they have uh at least at the time of the oklahoma game i didn't check beforehand the the big 12 leader in sacks plays for ucf i mean yeah. it, at, i didn't he,
3: check big 12 rankings but i know they're yeah. like eight and a half so i mean that's got to be up there if it's not
0: if he yeah if he's not first he's top two or three most likely but uh they can get after the passer along with the great pass coverage so You definitely don't want it to be a game that Bowman has to go win for you. You want to be able to just run it and and win it that way. And then, obviously, they're very creative. You know, they were number two in the country in trick plays behind Kansas, uh, which is more just misdirection plays, not really trick plays, but misdirection plays. And so you have to be very disciplined as a team. It's it's a game that Nick Martin needs to have a big day.
3: Mm Mm-hmm. And I keep forgetting Gus on is their coach. Like when mm-hmm. he said that in the
0: interview, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's where he is." <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. And then uh, Colin Oliver, another one, has to have I a mean, big day. The line, it's the linebackers have to play big. Yeah, that's and great. and I was I went back and watched the Oklahoma State uh, OU game, and um, Colin Oliver actually he kind of struggled at linebacker, but as soon as they put him at DN and rush, uh he yes. he tore it up. And actually, if if you go back, the play before the stoops play. Where he mm-hmm. comes around and uh, I can't remember, I don't know if he sacked Gabriel or if he made Gabriel throw it incomplete, but he hit Gabriel. Austin Stardner's wide open for a walk in touchdown <laughs> if Gabriel just has two more seconds. But mm-hmm. Colin Oliver beats Walter Rouse around and makes the play.
3: Yeah, Oliver's still great at rushing the passer, and when you play, get him to play linebacker when it's more of the sea ball hit ball, like yeah. just go find the guy. He's still he's doing great at that, and he's okay at like the spot drop. Yeah, of his zone. It's anything else, he gets shaky on. So, I mean, sure. if Malzahn finds a way to put him out kind of in space, that could result in a lot of big plays.
0: Well, and he was great about scheming up plays to go away from Stutzman when they played OU. And so, I'm assuming they'll do something similar to Nick Martin and pick on the guy like Canick for OU and Oliver for OSU. Pick on the guy that's not as as comfortable at playing linebacker. So, we'll see what ends up happening. All right, uh, score prediction for OU and uh west virginia i got zach scores he couldn't be a a part of this he was part of the interview obviously 28 20 is what he's got um last time i saw oklahoma was a 12 and a half point favorite i'll double check that but what what do you think landon um what what was your score they they are still 12 and a half point favorite so he has west virginia covering this one so
3: uh if this game was in morgantown i think i would pick west virginia yeah but because it's not i'm gonna say 30 20 ou yeah, things can obviously
0: get weird in West Virginia, as we know. Um, you know, this I see is our tagline. As many yeah. times as said that this is so hard because, like last year, for example, when OU was losing games, it was because they just played terrible defense. They were allowing forty points and almost every game. Offensively, they they were good but not great. This year they're not losing games that way they're losing because they turned it over three times, both games. They have creative with how they lose. Games. Yeah. Yeah. They have 19 penalties in those two games mm-hmm. and it's like, if they don't beat themselves, they're probably nine and zero at this point. And yeah. it's like, how many more times are they going to continue to beat themselves? Especially because they're a team, like we said, all last year through seven games this year who didn't beat themselves. They didn't yeah. turn it over a lot. They didn't have a lot of penalties, Um, That's a big reason why they beat Texas is Texas had three turnovers and I Oklahoma maybe have one. I can't remember exactly, but yeah, I I believe it was one, Um, which is why they end up winning that game. So eventually that that luck of turning it over three times has to come to an end. And so I think Oklahoma does win. Uh, Another interesting stat I saw this year. They have not allowed 40 points this year, which they had like four games of allowing 40 last year. Um, They've only allowed 30 twice and it was against uh, West Virginia. And um, I mean, I'm sorry, Kansas and um, uh, Texas in the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was against (laughs) Kansas and Texas, uh, two pretty good offenses. But I think Oklahoma ends up winning. um, I I believe I went with 37 or 38 to 20 uh, in my prediction, which gets them to cover. But the under hits because the under uh, the over under is 58 and a half uh, for the game. So, I mean, I took seven
3: points off my prediction from them when I saw the uniforms. Yeah.
0: The unity, yeah, yeah. I take, take I, I love points. I love the story's what, great. They look yes, terrible. I love what it's about, but I I do not like the dark. It's it's more of a, a charcoal. Sight. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I don't like that with the crimson. No, it does. not If it was with the white, go. I like it, and, it, it would and a, apparently the uh, announcers don't like it because you can't see the numbers. You know, and we talked about that. You know, I think this off yeah. about that.
3: Yeah, so. I didn't think about that one, but yeah, I bet that is hard to see, especially from both yeah.
0: press Yeah, because it's two darks on each other, and I don't really like that, but yeah. But I love what it represents and all that. And the players yeah. love it, so I, I understand. It feels like West Virginia is always our alternate uniform game. That's who we always used to wear the Bring the Wood uniforms against. So we're going to have to find a new team to do that They're against. good for that, though, because yeah. they're, they're not, their color scheme is so unique. You're not yeah. going to
3: ever clash with them. I know. They have a weird thing with their numbers while I'm on this uniform kick. It's the <laughs>
0: number three. Yeah. Something about their font, the number three just looks wrong. It does. Yeah, <laughs> I, I noticed that shoot, maybe two years ago. And on some of the linemen they are big enough, the six will look bad too. But yeah. it's just on like the extra, extra, extra largest. Yeah, they start looking <laughs> yeah it absolutely will. Oklahoma State UCF, um, Zach has Oklahoma State winning 31 to 21. I was surprised by this. Uh, two and a half point spread for Oklahoma State. Um, mm-hmm. But what, what do you think for that one? I think it's going to be a little
3: bit uh farther apart than two and a half points. Uh, I am going to say thirty-five
0: to twenty, Oklahoma State. Thirty-five to twenty. Not. I, I'm looking at this right now. Not only is it a two and a half point spread, it was three and a half at opening week, so it's getting bet down. And the matchup predictor has UCF as the favorite, which is weird. It is weird. Uh, I mean, I'm assuming they're just going off of emotional game coming to play this that one being, on the road, on the road. Yeah. But maybe the
3: time change is being factored in i'm not sure yeah,
0: i don't know that's just a weird line especially how hot oklahoma state's been right now over the last five games but and it's not like they're
3: going into somewhere that's like weird weather i mean it's no like high 70s mid 80s
0: i mean that's yeah. not gonna be anything i think we're gonna get an almost a shootout in this game kind of similar to the oklahoma state west virginia game ultimately oklahoma state wins 48 34 Game was kind of close. The what was it? The first half and then third quarter, Oklahoma State started to pull away. Or fourth quarter, quarter when yeah.
3: Holly Gordon turned into Barry Sanders. Right? Yeah, and
0: just it just <laughs> took away. And I think you're going to kind of have something similar. I could totally see UCF hanging in for a while. Ultimately, I think uh, Oklahoma State wins forty-five to thirty-one Um, mm-hmm. because I do think UCF is going to score some points. That offense, especially with the run game. Uh, You know, Oklahoma State doesn't defend the run very well. We saw Oklahoma can't really run it, but ran it actually pretty well against Oklahoma State last week. kind of a weird
3: thing. Oklahoma State, we've been been defending the run well. I mean, pretty much shut Kansas, shut Cincinnati down outside of the one broken run that uh, Will Howard had pretty much shut down K-State's running game too.
0: Yeah, yeah, the really good teams, y'all played pretty good against the run. Uh, Now, part of the Kansas one and the Kansas State one is y'all kind of got up big. They couldn't really do a lot of the stuff. And so if you do that to UCF, too, I I think, you know, Mm -hmm. you're probably cruise. But I think their misdirection and all that stuff, um, I think it's going to play a factor. And that's why they'll probably be able to score early. Um, But ultimately, Oklahoma State pulls away with a 45-31 win, -win, which in that case, I think I have the overhitting because I think the – over under is 64 and a half um so i have it at what 66 so yeah i have the over just barely so
3: i mean i kind of miss those days of the like 2010 to 2013 big 12 where the over yeah. under were like 90
0: 90 yeah yeah we had that um uh what was it usc washington this past week yeah it was like 100 or something i don't even think the over under was actually that high which was dumb. It should have definitely been. Every, everyone knew that was a shootout because both teams were terrible at defense uh, and they were terrible going into the game. 94 mm-hmm. was what they scored and the over under was 75 and a half. So that one, that one hit pretty. The Washington
3: almost got there on their own. Almost got there on their
0: <laughs> own. Yeah. So, all right, those are our picks uh, for this week. We hope you enjoyed the interviews. Um, we'll obviously try to do that every week. Uh, doesn't always happen sometimes. You know, the funny thing I was thinking about this, the only people that have been difficult to get an interview with has been Texas so far yeah. this year. Yeah. Everyone else has been like very receptive. And if yeah. like it was scheduled thing it's like, Hey, I'm sorry. I can't, but yeah, yeah. I, I never heard back from Kansas, but some of these places it's hard to find the interview, uh, the email. And so I could have nah, emailed an old email or something uh, and just never heard back, but everyone else is like really cool about it. And of course, Texas is the jerks about it. So I mean, it wasn't on the Longhorn Network, so I know. Go figure. Said that they were too busy that week. Mm-hmm. I they, might. They they have a lot of programming well, on the Longhorn. Network I was like, too. I didn't ask for a certain person. I just anyone, anyone that can talk to me about Texas. I mean, anyone, can, I need 15 minutes. It's not yeah, that hard. Yeah, for real. It's not like I I needed a specific person who was jam packed that week. But oh well, gotta love our uh, Austin brethren. Yeah, <laughs> but. Uh, Yeah, so that's those are our picks. Um, uh, thank you for joining us on this one. Hopefully, you know you like I said you enjoyed the interviews. Uh, at Eat Sleep Bedlam on Twitter at Eat Sleep Bedlam Pod on YouTube. We'll have links at the bottom if you're watching on YouTube. It'll be at the bottom. Uh, Spotify, Google, Apple, wherever you listen to your podcast, we're there. Tell your friends. Uh, you know we're trying to grow a grow a little platform here. We had great conversations with Oklahoma State and OU fans after Bedlam uh mm-hmm. two of our last uh podcasts both bedlam related had a lot of views so thank you for that um, and
3: thank and- you to the people telling me how the goalpost
0: got out of the stadium yes i I'm love very that appreciative of that i have <laughs> meant to go back and and like that comment
3: um, and I'm i meant to like look up the guy's name before we started so i could yeah. shout out specifically
0: but yes <laughs> the funny thing is we talked about that on sunday then monday Gundy was asked about it. he's like I have yep. no idea how it got out and then finally I guess someone had, had kind of explained it to him but
3: yeah uh, with that and then I did see a video along with a comment that I'm going to edit a little bit but he said they bent it and I saw it and you could actually see they bent man. in and with how it snapped they clearly have the very thin metal uh-huh. now as opposed to the like 500 pound goal post that used to be yeah there. yeah so that is how they bent it and got it out. But uh, thank you for helping me solve that.
0: mystery. Yeah. yeah, we solved that mystery. We had a we had an Oklahoma State student say they got into to talk some smack, then end up loving our, our, our comments. And, and so hopefully he becomes a full time yeah. listener and tells his friends. But, uh, you know, we try to be subjective on everything. We're not. Obviously, I'm OU grad. Landon's an OSU grad. Zach's just a diehard. Grew up a diehard OU fan. We're, we're not those OU and OSU fans that are like, Oh, you know, everything is great for our team. And you know, that's I'm not Robert we... Allen. I'm not going to yeah, do that. He's too. not Robert Allen. And, and that's not how we do it. We're, we're If we think something's wrong, we're going to come on and tell you something's wrong. And that's what we like to do. Um, and now we, we rather... like to tell you things are wrong. That's yeah, right. <laughs> we, well, I, I always enjoy those podcasts the most when I listen to people, when they learn to yeah. tell me what's wrong with the team, I don't, I, I've stopped listening to so many podcasts in the past, when I would just listen, and it could be anything, it could be NBA related or whatever. When they just tell me all things are great with my team, when I'm like, they just lost. What do you mean
3: all things it's are? It's usually great? pretty easy to tell what's right.
0: Yes, I do. I do like the
3: ones that'll explain why something is right, like why it worked. Yes, exactly, uh,
0: yeah. and and that's what we try to do here. So, if you don't follow us, follow us. Um, you know, obviously, uh, we we have a podcast. Like app. and
3: subscribe. Turn on
0: notifications. Yep, there we it, go. I think you can say that now. There was a time where you couldn't on YouTube. Oh yeah, so we <laughs> got to get the YouTube lingo down. But do that. Um, also, uh, every Wednesday and Sundays when our podcast release, Wednesday it's always at nine a.m. Sunday just kind of depends on our schedule. We try to get it out early in the day. End but games also, are yeah. what I mean, it's the weekend. Also, Lane and I are diehard Dallas Cowboys fans, so. It kind of depends on that sometimes too. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> if the game is like the Rams game, we did it in the middle of the Rams game, but when it's like the Eagles game, we might wait till afterwards. So we're trying to knock it out before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it just depends, but uh, thank you guys so much for listening Until next time. We'll see you guys later. Yeah.